0: Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. What's up, Dolphins? And welcome into the Friday, August the 3rd edition. Of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I'm here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, the last training camp practice before the annual scrimmage at Hard Rock Stadium, the Dolphins were in shorts and a few pass catchers shined. We'll go back into the Mike Gesicki draft vault, plus some other camp notes and Zach Thomas' case For Canton. But first, I kindly invite all of you guys to please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating, leave us a review. Once you are there, we have that five star rating going for us. About 150 reviews in total for a now top five podcast in the Locked On Network, and of course on Twitter, the number one follow on Dolphins Twitter, as voted by my peers at Winkville NFL. You can follow the show at LockedOnFins, and check out LockedOnDolphins.com, the number one blog in the Locked On Network. Jason Harina pumping out those camp updates for you guys. We have the Zach Thomas piece up live right now that everyone is loving so far since it was published a few hours ago. And of course, the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts like the Locked On Heat or Locked On Magic podcast and the Locked On NFL podcast for all that local and national coverage of your favorite team. Let's go ahead and get into the news from Friday, August the 3rd, training camp practice. All right, Miami. And the Mad Dog takes us back into the news items for the day and it evolves injury news as it typically does this time of year. The first one, of course, Big Will Hayes, the defensive end slash defensive tackle who is going to be instrumental to the Dolphins' run defense in 2018 was not at practice. He went down yesterday with what was reported as a lower leg injury, and Adam Gaze spoke about it at his post-practice presser, and he said that he doesn't care how many preseason games Hayes misses, which sounds a bit ambiguous, if you ask me. On one hand, it sounds like he might not play in any of the exhibition games, which is fine, but at worst, this sounds like it's a trip to the PUP But doesn't sound season ending to me. Like I don't think he would say that if Hayes was going to miss the entire season. So hopefully he's back for week one. Worst case scenario, maybe he misses all of September. We will see. That is all speculation on my part so far other injury news. Marquise Gray was working at practice today as he is dealing with the hamstring issue, but his absence along with A.J. Derby, who missed yet again today, has really opened the door for Mike Gusecki, and we're going to have plenty on Mike Gusecki in our second segment on today's show. And of course, Jake Brendel, once again, a no-go in practice. And that is it for the notes and injury update around training camp. Let's go ahead and talk about the actual practice itself. That's another Miami Dolphins As we are wont to do on the podcast, we typically start with the quarterback, and of course, we are starting with Ryan Tannehill once again today. Sounds like he was sharp and back on course after a rough day on Thursday, and I said on the podcast yesterday that if he has back-to-back three-pick days or back-to-back days where the ball is not going where he wants it to, that's when you start to worry because in training camp, it's a pretty simple routine every single day. You get to the facility, you probably lift some weights, you have some breakfast, You get in the shower, you get in your team meetings, and you go over what the practice script is or the schedule in terms of the install for different types of packages or route concepts or whatever it is you're doing for that day. You learn about it, you put it on the practice field, you practice it, you stretch the limits to see what you can get away with on tape so you can study it later in the day, and you go back the next day and try to fix the things that you messed up. So he did that clearly, got things corrected, and here the Dolphins are having a good quarterback day as Brock Osweiler and David Fells apparently shine today as well according to Armando Salguero anyway. But Danny Amendola continues to develop that chemistry with Ryan Tannehill that has just been going on throughout the course of training camp so far. And he gave Bobby McCain a tough day today, which is tough to do. McCain one of the more feisty slot corners, but Amendola and McCain have really been going at each other all practice. So that is great to hear. Josh Sitton was back in on the offensive line, and the offensive line reportedly gave Tannehill more time to throw today. But again, the pads came off, full pads came off, I should say. So take that with a grain of salt. Speaking of the interior, exterior rush, Andre Branch got off for what sounds like the first time in camp doing some work on Laramie Tunzel off the defense's right edge, getting into the backfield for a couple of would-be sacks on the quarterback. And speaking of the edge defense, Torrey McTire, still the first team cornerback opposite Xavier Howard. That is four out of eight days so far for the second year undrafted free agent in McTire. So he continues to impress. We'll see what he does tomorrow at the scrimmage. And of course, the personnel packages have been one of the biggest intrigues for me this camp so far. A 12 personnel, looks like they're running with a base 12 personnel group of Kenyon Drake, Kenny Stills, Devontae Parker, Mike Siki and Marquise Gray. And when they go to the 11 personnel, on comes Danny Amendola in place of Marquise Gray or Mike Siki depending on the situation. Also, Albert Wilson, the jack of all trades, the outside slash slot receiver that can do everything. He was taking direct snaps with the running backs today. So it sounds like he's going to get some work in the backfield. For the most part, it was a light workload today. They're getting prepped for that scrimmage tomorrow, but we're going to talk about the player that has come on like gangbusters so far at camp this last week or so. We'll do that next on the Lockdown Dolphins podcast. Follow me on Twitter at @WinkleNFL and follow the show at LockedOnFins. And rolling on into the second segment of the podcast here, and you have to really shine as a rookie, to get an entire segment dedicated to you on the, what, eighth day of training camp now. And that's what we're going to do with Mike Gusecki putting the Penn State alum under the microscope here, talking about his possible impact on this Miami offense and particularly down in the red zone where he has really shined in practice so far. And he is consistently making contested catches, something he did back at college in Penn State. And he is showing up on the Dolphins' social media feed almost daily, making a catch where he has to do a pirouette or spin around and catch the ball going to the ground. And he is really developing a chemistry with quarterback Ryan Tannehill. And as he dominates, he mentioned in his press conference that he is so eager to do whatever Ryan Tannehill asks of him that he would go to his house and walk his damn dog if he was asked. So he is just shining right now through practice. Definitely been the biggest riser of the last week. And I wrote a piece on him back in April after he was drafted talking about his potential impact on the offense and how the Dolphins could use him. And I wanted to revisit that article and just talk about how they can involve him in ways that don't include using him as a blocker and the first one that comes up or the first idea that comes up when doing that or discussing that is the use of him in the Y ISO formation. And if you go to this article up on LockdownDolphins.com, I actually just retweeted it back out. There is a very crude diagram that I drew showing what the Y-ISO creates as far as a matchup goes. And you basically have a safety and a linebacker over the top of that Y tight end who has the entire boundary side of the formation to work with. And from there, if he runs the if you run the football to that weak side of the formation, all he has to do is get outside that linebacker's shoulder and throw a seal block. For the edge to be sealed. And that's his primary duty there. If not, you can flex him out with motion. You can put him out in pattern, which gets him off of the blocking assignment in that play. And you can find ways to create openings for Mike Koseki, get him free releases, get him off of the inline blocking responsibility. And primarily, you can do that by using motion, specifically down in the red zone, which sounds like that was the case at today's practice for the Miami Dolphins, getting Mike Gesicki all over the formation by using motion, getting him that free release, and getting him off those possible block responsibilities. And it just creates so much for the defense to deal with when they have to deal with a guy that's both 6'6", a guy that can separate, and a guy that can haul in contested catches the way that he can. And we've seen the way that Adam Gase has tried to really pound a square peg and do a round hole with Julius Thomas in his career, even going back to Jordan Cameron. And I've had so many videos up of Gasecki dominating on this piece, as well as his Raz score here, his relative athletic scorecard. And you go from what Thomas and Cameron were to a guy like this who is in the 90th percentile in his height at the position, in his 40 time, in his 20 time, his 10-yard split time, his bench press, his vertical jump, his broad jump, his shuttle, his three-cone, everything he does athletically is so goddamn impressive. And it's going to have an impact on Sundays and the way teams have to defend this passing offense, regardless of what he does in the running game. And if you're asking him to block, you're not doing a good job coaching. So putting these players in position to do the things that you want them to do or the things they do best is how you ultimately get the best out of a player. And just revisiting Mike Kosicki's pro football focus pre-draft pamphlet or whatever the the guide they have and there was some very good data in there he was the second highest graded tight end in college football with an 84.9 grade from penn state he was 15th in the nation at his position and yards per route run at 1.51 he did have a kind of a high drop rate he dropped 3.8 percent of his passes that was 33rd most of tight ends in college football he hauled in two passes of over 20 yards down the field through the air. That was 13th most among college tight ends. He had 70 deep passing yards as a receiver, 16th most. And he caught 17 passes from the slot, 11th most, and had 218 yards from that slot, 10th most. So he can flex out wide. We talked about that 12 personnel on the first part of the podcast. And what you can do is line him up tight with you know a tight end on either side of the formation. Or you can go double wide, two tight ends. All you have to do is stand him up, motion him out, flex him out and you have gone from the illusion of getting base personnel onto the field on the defense and expecting a possible running play, you flex out Mike Kaseki all of a sudden you have 11 personnel against base defense, and you're going to wind up with someone like Kiko Alonso or even a strong safety trying to cover Mike Kaseki and good luck doing that. Just a few more bullet points on Gaseki from this PFF piece. He hauled in four touchdown catches out of the slot. That is third most among foot tight ends in college football. He has that big long frame ability to tack the football and great body control to adjust to off-target throws. We have seen that throughout all of camp. He caught seventy-five percent of his contested targets. That's nine out of twelve best in college football among tight ends those long strides allow him to glide downfield so he can operate to the corner he can operate down the seam so he's not just a red zone guy and that's where he's going to be his best but he can offer you stuff between the 20 yard lines too and be a big play threat as a receiver there we mentioned that he ranked 15th among tight ends in yards per route run he was 31st in the nation among all pass catchers all wide receivers and tight ends so receiver type of numbers there And then to cap off his illustrious college career, he had one of the best Senior Bowl practice weeks of anybody down there in Mobile, Alabama in the postseason college All-Star Game. So Mike Gusecki shining at practice, shining right now with possibly the first team, probably going to be the starting tight end when... Week one rolls around against the Tennessee Titans. So he is really getting it going. He's going to be a touchdown maker. He's going to get some yardage. It just seems like he might be on track for a rookie of the year type of guy. I think he'll probably play something like 70 to 80% of the snaps if he continues on this trajectory he's on right now. Playing out of 12 personnel, flexing out wide in that personnel, 11 personnel for sure. Maybe even as a back in 21 personnel that you can disguise as 12 personnel where you have two running backs in the backfield, Kenyon Drake, Mike Kosicki, and then you can flex Kosicki out from there. So like I said, touchdown maker, big time pass threat, potential rookie of the year. And speaking of postseason honors or individual awards, the Hall of Fame game was last night. The Hall of Fame induction ceremony is tomorrow. So it's time for us to bring up the biggest current snub floating around in the Hall of Fame ether. Of course, talking about Zach Thomas, and we'll do that next the Locked On Dolphins podcast at Winkfield NFL at Locked On Fins. Rolling into the final segment of the week of this Friday show for August the 3rd. Of course, the Hall of Fame game last night. The Ravens taking down the Chicago Bears by a score of 17 to 16. Lamar Jackson looking very awful as a passer. Same with RG3. Chase Daniel, all kinds of turnovers penalties galore all over the field, but the big story during this weekend is always the players going into the Hall of Fame, and for Dolphins fans, it's about the player that's not going into the Hall of Fame. Of course, I'm talking about Zach Thomas, and if you guys haven't checked out the Fish Tank podcast yet, it's one of those five reasons podcasts. It is phenomenal. They bring on former Dolphins players to tell stories about their time with the team, and Zach Thomas was just on the podcast earlier this week, and there was a great story that really prompted the Intro for my article up on LockedOnDolphins.com called Zach Thomas, Leader of a Generational Defense Should Be Canton Bound, and the first opening of that article is talking about how when Zach Thomas was a kid, he got ran over by a truck, his head got ran over under the tire, and he somehow survived. Went on to become an All-Pro type of linebacker. I think that's the most clear sign that a kid was going to be a football player that I've ever heard of. Just telling stories about his general football acumen and Channing Crowder talking about how Zach Thomas would attack gaps or tell guys to shoot that gap. They show this look, or if they run double-wide tight ends, go ahead and you know the the runs coming to your side. So he knows all this pre-snap information, and Peyton Manning really backed that up. Saying, "Quote the most unnerving thing about playing Miami is Zach Thomas calling out all of your plays. He caused the most problems of any player I ever faced, and Peyton wasn't lying because Peyton's passer rating. And I took the years 1999 between 2003 because." Peyton's rookie year '98 wasn't that good. He had a lot of picks. Was trying to get his feel for the game. And then '99, he came on like game busters. And from '99 through 2003, the Dolphins and Colts played every year. They played two times a year in in '99, in 2000 and 2001. And then, of course, realignment took the Colts from the AFC East over to the AFC South in 2002. But during that five-year stretch, they played eight times. And during that five-year stretch, Peyton Manning's total passer rating, and this includes the Dolphins games was 91.32. The Colts had a 638 winning percentage in that half decade span. So very good numbers from the quarterback, very good numbers for the team. But when they played the Miami Dolphins, his passer rating went down to 7985 A 12 point drop from his normal passer rating. And in those eight games, the Colts were just three and five, a 375 winning percentage, dipping down half, almost half as much as their general winning percentage. And if you count the playoff game, the Dolphins beat them in three and six, and it goes down below half of what their normal win percentage was. So Zach Thomas, the leader of one of the all time great defenses, and I'll put this up against most defenses that 2000 through 2003 defense that ranked Third, 11th, 4th, and 3rd in points allowed during a four-year stretch. Never worse than top 10 in terms of yards allowed per game. And they had two top five finishes in that category as well. You can measure up Zach's stats against Brian Urlacher. He had not as many sacks. That was the big difference there. 20 sacks compared to 41 sacks. But he had more solo tackles. He had almost as many interceptions. Had more forced fumbles. Had as many defensive touchdowns. It, the comparisons are there: five first-team All Pros compared to Urlacher's four first-team All Pros, seven Pro Bowls compared to eight Pro Bowls. So the fact that Urlacher's a shoe in and a given to this, you know, elite level club, and Zach Thomas is not in there, just really rubs you the wrong way. And I just I hope that things get straightened out and he gets what he deserves eventually because Zach Thomas is absolutely a Hall of Famer. All right, so enough about former Dolphins. Let's get back to the current team. The scrimmage is going on tomorrow. There's not a whole lot to look for in that scrimmage. I think the number one thing you want to look at is limiting pre-snap penalties and just getting these guys to play fast without causing issues with the flags and the referees. Play clean, don't have any nasty turnovers. Some early offensive rhythm would be nice, and I want to see the general workload of the wide receivers in terms of which packages they run and which players are on the field for those packages, who gets all the targets there, and defensively, how does this defensive tackle rotation work itself out? How does that look? How do they fit their run keys, and is the secondary Truly going to be the game-changing group that we all hope and think it can be. And who steps up when the big lights come on? I'm talking, of course, about Tory McTire as the potential second starting cornerback opposite Xavier Howard there. And, of course, the thing that trumps all of that, a clean bill of health. Let's stay healthy, boys. We'll have coverage for you guys on that on a Sunday night special podcast. But as for this podcast and for this week of podcasts, that's going to do it for us here. You guys, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us that rating. Leave us that review if you can. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage. Of your favorite teams. Give me a follow on Twitter. It's at Leafle NFL. The show is at LockedOnFins. And keep up to date on our daily Dolphins blog at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a terrific rest of your weekend. We'll talk to you again on Sunday for another edition of the LockedOnDolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football. Fins up, guys. Back to the streets with the kids on need. Love was around the corner from you You played well like an old-time jive Girl, I swear I've never seen you look so alive No, you'll never see it again.